A lot of leaders and innovators talk about disrupting healthcare, but what does that really mean? And how does one actually do it? On Life-Centered Healthcare, we dive into these questions and more, talking to innovators who are leveraging Clay Christensen's theories to transform our healthcare ecosystem. I'm Ann Summers-Hogg, Senior Research Fellow of Healthcare at the Clayton Christensen Institute, and I hope these stories help inspire you along your journey to transform health and care. Welcome back, listeners, to the second episode of Life-Centered Healthcare. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome innovation expert and my past colleague, Jay Gerhart, to the show. Jay is Vice President, Innovation Engine at Atrium Health. And among his many talents, he is a healthcare strategist, podcast producer for A Sherpa's Guide to Innovation, an innovation educator, and an improv master. And also, as you'll hear from Jay today, he is also a leading jobs-to-be-done practitioner. And I'm thrilled he's joining us to share his experience with each of you. During our conversation today, Jay and I will geek out about jobs to be done, what it is, how it explains consumer behavior, and why it's useful in healthcare. If you follow our writing at the Institute, you'll be familiar with the concept of jobs to be done. But for those who may be new to the concept, I'll provide just a brief overview before jumping into questions for Jay. But before I do that, I'll pause and say, welcome, Jay, and thank you so much for joining us today. (laughs) Thanks, Ann Summers. I really appreciate being here with you. Some of that introduction was a little too generous, but I appreciate it nonetheless. Perception is reality, and that is my perception of you, Jay, so therefore I think think it was spot on. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go with it then. (laughs) Okay. At a high level, jobs to be done is a framework for better understanding customer or consumer behavior. And while conventional customer segmentation often focuses on demographics, like how old someone is or what their income is, what their gender is, something like that, jobs goes beyond these superficial categories and it actually exposes what we refer to as the functional, social, and emotional dimensions that explain why people behave the way they do. And in purchasing behavior, that's why they make the choices that they do. So in brief, a job is the progress someone seeks in a struggling situation. And we call this situation or circumstance an individual's context. So a job to be done has two parts, the progress someone is seeking and the context that they are within. And individuals hire products and services. That is, they pull them into their lives in order to get a specific job done. And then... When a new product or service comes along that serves their job better than the old solution did, that individual will hire the new product or service and they'll fire the old one. So why at the Institute do we believe that this framework is so important? In his book, Competing Against Luck, late Harvard Business School professor Clay Christensen highlights that understanding and organizing around customers' jobs is what enables organizations to succeed in the long run. And that's because organizing around the job makes it significantly harder for new entrants to the market to disrupt the organization that has organized around the job. However, the flip side of that, organizations that focus inwardly on their own products or services are effectively competing against luck, hence the title of the book. So for listeners who want a deeper dive on jobs to be done than we'll be able to cover today, I highly suggest reading Competing Against Luck. You won't be disappointed. Excellent stories throughout and many apply to healthcare and are specific examples of how jobs to be done provides value in healthcare. Okay, Jay. So with that background, I want to turn the mic over to you. And 
I love to start with why. So could you tell listeners why you use the Jobs to Be Done framework in your work? Well, I think as you know, because you were right there at the beginning with me, I guess it was maybe seven-ish years ago, I was making a career change within Atrium Health. And I was going from our strategy and planning group into innovation. So I guess I originally hired it (laughs) as a framework because I didn't have a way of seeing customers, consumers. Sometimes they're not the same. I may interchange those two words a little bit. In my prior work with strategy and planning, I had all sorts of frameworks and tools, as as you're familiar with, SWOT analyses, play to win, all these things. So I had a way of thinking about strategy. But I wasn't heavily thinking about consumers and and customers. I think the work actually was a little bit more supply side focused around products and services. I was helping figure out where to build hospitals, how to make them bigger, how to develop service lines. So I didn't have that need to have a way of seeing consumers and customers because it wasn't so much my, my role in the organization. So What jobs gave me, I think it's interesting you use the word framework. And I think about what do you call jobs? Is it a theory? Is it a framework? Is it a tool? I think the answer is yes. It's, it's all of those things. And I think why it's valuable is it's not just a tool or a framework. It's a mindset. There is a theory, as you said, for customer customer behavior. Scott Burleson is a leading thinker on jobs to be done that I've gotten to know a bit over the the past year or so. And he calls it a philosophy. He calls himself a jobs to be done philosopher. And with philosophy, you have a set of principles. So you know things like people hire a product or fire a product. And they're they're not actually seeking that product. They're seeking what it will do in their lives. So if you have these principles and a philosophy, you can think about it that way. So I I go back to it's a way of seeing, but then it also gave me tools because I didn't know, I didn't know how to talk to people, (laughs) to humans, to ask them about products and services. I don't think I had ever interviewed a consumer in what I did. I worked with lots of spreadsheets, but I didn't know how to talk to them. So jobs and, and our work with Bob Mesta gave me the ability to do that. But I would say it gave me it gave me a lot of different things. Again, framework tools, a lot of rigor, and just a new way of of both seeing and doing that I had never had to do in my career before. I love how you opened that with you didn't have a way of seeing consumers and that it, that it helped you to see the people that you're really serving. And it's funny that you brought up, you know, what we what do we call it? Do we call it a theory? Is it a framework? And I struggle with that as well because as you know, especially when working inside an organization focused on operations, the word theory doesn't always resonate and isn't really always welcomed. So I really liked how you used the word philosophy because it's a mindset, it's tools, it's framework, it's a theory, but that is a broader way to think about the toolkit of components that the jobs to be done lens provides. Yeah. And that way of seeing Jim Kalbach is another leading jobs to be done thinker in his book, the jobs to be done toolkit. He talks about Copernicus back in, in I think 1540 or 43, you know, previously the traditional way of seeing was that the earth was at the center of the universe or the galaxy 
and the sun would go around it. And Copernicus proves mathematically, well, no, that's not the case. The sun is actually at the center and planets revolve around it. So in that we had this mindset before where our, our organizations and our brands are at the center of everything. That's where jobs is a mindset is flip this mindset where the customer is at the center. And companies have been saying that for a long time. They've been saying consumer-centric. This is a more rigorous way to structure and think about method, language, tools, all of that. That that leads me to my next question, which was, what is it about jobs to be done or this new way of seeing and thinking that provides value to your work? I mean, I go back to the the structure of it. It it provides mindset, language, and and tools. And I think for a healthcare organization, you know, in healthcare, we've been talking about patient-centered care for a long time, and we've been trying to become more patient-centered. But but jobs actually gives us a way to do that in a more rigorous fashion. And again, if we have that mindset where we're less at the center of things. Healthcare is a very expertise-driven industry. As we all know, it's complicated. It's very complex. So we think about ourselves a lot. And when I'm teaching jobs, actually, one of the very first things I do is I I put a quote out there from C.S. Lewis. Um, Hopefully I get this right. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So it's this shift from supply side thinking, thinking about our products and services and how we deliver them to demand side thinking about what our customers need. And it gives us that, that mindset. I was in a meeting, I think it was last week, and it was with our medical group. We had a lot of physician leaders, administrative leaders, and we were talking about how to become more consumer centric in our digital journey. And one of the physicians in the room, I won't say on the podcast who it is, I'll tell you later who it is because you'll appreciate it. We were having a little bit of a supply side conversation. It was a little bit about our internal processes. And this physician said, let's look at this from a jobs to be done perspective. And my heart just overflowed, (laughs) you know, because when... When we have people that we've taught this mindset and the tools and they they bring it up unprovoked, you go back to your question, why is this valuable? It flipped the conversation. The conversation immediately became less about some of the constraints we had internally, our physician schedules, the limitations of our digital tools, and got to be much more about what the individual is trying to do. Because when talking internally, we, we have goals as healthcare systems. We want people to use our portals, my chart, that sort of thing, utilize those things. That's not what the person's job is. The person's job is not engage with portal. The job is book an appointment. So if that person wants to book an appointment, is it required that they go through the portal? So we're having a conversation about when you know, is that always the path or do we make the path of just more direct booking more accessible to somebody and that it flips the conversation? Right. And I want to build on what you were saying about 
how in healthcare we've been talking about patient-centered care for a really long time, but Jobs to be Done is a tool that helps you flip the conversation in order to actually provide that patient-centered care. So tell us a little bit more about how patients, consumers, customers benefit from your use of Jobs to be Done. One of the ways they benefit is particularly in how we apply it. When we apply it and we go to uncover the jobs, we're not going to get into the techniques and tools that we use for that. But su- suffice it to say that when we, when we have the jobs mindset and we talk to consumers, we're trying to understand them very deeply. We're trying to understand. We talk, at, we talk about in the innovation engine is filming a documentary. So when we talk to them, we aren't talking to them to find out how we are doing as a healthcare organization. There's a time and a place to do that you know, through surveys and and other things. But when we talk to them in innovation and developing products and designing experiences, we want to talk to them about their lives. And we want to understand their context, as you've described, and the progress they're trying to achieve. And those things are not uniform. Everybody's very different. And we have to design more customized experiences for people. We have to design ways to talk to them more to understand about what they need. So if if we as an organization have the jobs to be done mindset and we're following that through, then I, I think if a patient were to know that, <laughs> I think they would feel more assured that we are listening to them and thinking about them. And And actually, when we do these interviews with people, they're usually quite delighted to have the conversation because we've listened to them. It's actually truly practicing empathy. And when we talk to people, I think people see that. That's great. And it's almost a lens that provides a two-way view and build off what you just said in terms of people see the difference. They see the empathy. They see that you care not just about what you offer as an organization, but what is it they're actually trying to achieve. And one phrase that has stuck with me for, gosh, almost a decade now, I was in a class with... Elizabeth Ticeberg, who, for listeners, back about 15 years ago, she wrote Redefining Healthcare with Michael Porter and has since moved on to the University of Texas at Austin's Dell Medical School, where she teaches a course in transforming healthcare. And she asked this question about basically shifting the health system's mindset from a supply side perspective to a demand side perspective. And to your point, Jay, she pointed out how surveys focus on asking the question, how were we? But the most important question we can ask our patients, consumers, and customers is, how are you? And jobs really provides a lens for healthcare practitioners to not just ask that question, but understand the answers that they receive. And it also provides the benefit to the patient because they can see how much the entity actually cares about them. Yeah. And all organizations are still guilty of it. I mean, the most popular question, you know, is, is for net promoter score. How likely are you to recommend us? That's not a job-centered question. It would, it would be more like, you know, if I left the urgent care center, maybe, maybe I get a survey three to five days later and it, it asked me, were you able to accomplish what you were trying to accomplish through that visit? Are you back to work? Are you back to able to take care of your kids? 
Because that's what people are seeking from nobody. Nobody wants urgent care. Right. They want to get back to work or whatever activity they have for the weekend. Right. Nobody wants more healthcare. They just want more of their life and healthcare is a means to an end. Speaking of patients interacting with or not interacting with healthcare, I saw a stat the other day that said 25% of millennials haven't seen a doctor in five years. You can make statistics say whatever you want them to say, and it depends on who your audience was for this survey. But I'd love to hear from you as a practitioner of Jobs to be Done who's speaking to patients. What has been some of your greatest aha moments about why people hire or fire healthcare providers? One story I'll I'll recount, it's more of an aha from the process we followed. We didn't end up with an incredibly surprising finding but the way we came about it was really surprising. It came through a process we did what we call switch interviews. We did 15 interviews where we found people who had changed primary care physicians and for some really substantive reason, not obvious reason. So so we excluded people who had moved or their physician had retired. We tried to get people who were trying to accomplish something different. They weren't being forced you know, to get a new doctor. They were actually choosing it. And we interviewed these people. And after doing the interviews, we tried to find patterns. And we had a group of patients based on their context and their desired progress. We had four of these patients in one cluster. And we were talking about them as an innovation team, trying to really understand what their job was. And the I won't get into all the detail. Their job was basically help for the future. They were people who had either not consumed primary care before, or they were obtaining it from pediatricians or OBGYN, maybe not the traditional primary care. And, you know, you talked about demographics not driving everything. Well, in these four people, we had a, we had a guy who was in his 30s who had just gotten married. We had a woman who had turned 65 recently. We had a woman who I think was in her late 40s. And we had a very young woman who was in her early 20s. She had wanted to stick with her pediatrician. She went to the pediatrician religiously and just wanted to stay there. All of these people started hiring primary care, and we wanted to understand why. And one of the things about the context, we, we were looking at this, and we kind of understood they, they weren't consuming, and we understood all the details. And one of our interns, Isaac, raised his hand in a meeting and he said, they're all going to the next phase in their life. And we were like, holy cow, you're right. We were previously looking at and saying they were all prompted in some way. You know, someone like the guy in his 30s, the wife had said something, a friend had said something. So they had what we call some pushes, some prompts for them to do things. But then when we stepped back and looked at the patterns, they were all going through another phase in life. A young man was entering, you know, becoming a husband and probably at some point a father. A woman who hadn't been using primary care was was in her 60s and realized, you know, I can't keep just going to urgent care anymore. We had a woman approaching midlife thinking a little bit down the road to menopause. I need a different way. And we have a young woman who realizes she's got to go to an adult doctor. They were all going to a, another phase in life. And I think the aha, that's not that surprising to us now as we look back on it. But, you know, as we looked at it as a research team, because of the deep work and the conversations we've had with people, how Isaac described that 
was the aha. And we learned something very new as a result of that. That's just one example I'd give. That's a great story. And I'll highlight for listeners the power of uncovering that. And the fact that you really got to the root cause was that people were going to the next phase of their lives. And understanding that push of the situation that they were in is critical because it's going to help you speak to those individuals more clearly through marketing in order to say why what you're offering is going to help them in the next phase of their lives, which is going to be much more useful than using demographic language in terms of, is it time to move away from your pediatrician? Because then you only hit 25% of that target market. So another benefit of the job's lens or mindset or way of seeing the world is that it actually grows the pie of who you're serving and doesn't artificially constrain your target market based solely on on demographics. Now, I know we could talk about jobs to be done ad infinitum. One last question I want to ask you is, and this will harken back to my days in the innovation engine when we used to ask folks, you know, imagine if you had a magic wand. So Jay, if you had a magic wand, what would you enable innovators and healthcare leaders to know about the power of jobs to be done? I think I would go back to the fact that this should be your mindset, language, and tools around customers. Think about finance and accounting. When healthcare leaders have conversations about financial issues, they all, hopefully, most of them know what net present value is, or operating cash flow, or market share, all these things. These terms are defined. There's ways to understand financial frameworks and how you do things. But when it comes to customers and how to talk about customers and think about them and think about the way they behave, a lot of organizations don't have that. They may have a mishmash of things. They may have some tools from marketing and maybe some other things, but jobs actually gives you a structure around that, gives you mindset, language, and tools. And I think my magic wand would be even more powerful than that. I'd go beyond healthcare and just um, wave it and everyone would understand it. And organizations would design better products. We would also be much better consumers. So if we as individuals understood our context and desired progress, we might we might consume healthcare differently as well. Great. And I love expanding it. You have the magic wand. That's what you get to do with the magic wand. So Jay, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing with listeners about the amazing work you and the entire team at Atrium Health are doing, how you're applying jobs to be done and how it gives you a structure, a mindset, a framework, a set of tools, and even a philosophy that helps you see customers, consumers, and patients better than you could before. And listeners can learn more about jobs to be done, as I mentioned from Clay Christensen's book, Competing Against Luck. I'll also provide a few other links to some of the thought leaders that Jay referenced earlier in the podcast, as well as some of his writing on jobs to be done. And we'll leave our listeners with the thought that employing a jobs lens protects your company from new entrants, and it prevents you from competing against luck. So in the days ahead, think about how you might apply it to the work that you are doing. Thank you so much, Jay. It was so great to talk to you and thrilled to hear that things are going well at Atrium Health. Thanks a lot for having me. I enjoyed it. 
Thank you for listening to Life-Centered Healthcare. If you like what you heard, please leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. And for more of the latest in healthcare, check out our website, christiansoninstitute.org. You can sign up for our newsletter and read our latest industry insights. Until next time, have a wonderful day, everyone.